Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And today, uh, Dr. Lindsay Matthews and I got to, of, of BirthFit, got to dive into uh, just an awesome chat where we got to interview each other a bit. And it was really amazing from the standpoint of, okay, I came from the strength, the health background. She came from the, the fitness side, but also really helping mothers, uh, mothers-to-be, uh, anybody prepping for birth, anything like that, or coming out of uh, just get, having given birth. And it was cool because there are so many similarities that we got to talk about, so many different things that we got to share. And I hope that you guys appreciate the differences, but how similar so many different aspects of health, strength, birth, wellness, I mean, etc., are. And I think you'll really enjoy this talk with Dr. Lindsay Matthews of BirthFit. Alrighty, guys, and welcome to a bit of a dual episode here. Uh, so uh, I, I'm Nick Horowski, uh, for everybody listening to uh, the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line, I have somebody who I'll let introduce herself a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, I'm Lindsay Matthews. I'm the founder and CEO of BirthFit. And so, yeah, tell everybody who you are. Oh, who I am. All right, all right. Yeah. So this is going to be a bit of a dual interview here. This is going to be know, fun. I know, back and forth. I, I like this, Lindsay. So, uh, so who I am. Uh, I, I actually just gave this a little bit of a speech here this morning on this. Uh, I was just giving a lecture at like at a local, uh, PT school. So I'm a physical cool. therapist, uh, by, by trade. I do that. Uh, but I also work, uh, oh, I also do podcasting. Um, uh, but I compete in strongman. Uh, so I like that. Uh, but my biggest thing recently, uh, like outside of the PT world has been starting to work with, uh, strongmen and not for their programming per se, but really a lot of health coaching from that end. So helping people dial in nutrition, sleep, the mindfulness. uh, And and that's kind of where I'm going with that. And I've been really digging that recently because I think in strength athletics, uh, that's something that can be very overlooked. Uh, So it's fun being able to expose people to not only the strength side of things, but really integrating health and wellness overall with that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Now I'm curious. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask you about your, (laughs) let's hear a little bit about your health journey too. Cause that's always something that I'm interested in. Hey, where do people start? Where did they, I I, I've listened to you, but I want to hear from, Hey, the horse's mouth, right? Like where, (laughs) where did you start with stuff? Where has it taken you up until this point? Yeah. So I'm originally from Texas. I grew up in a town called New Braunfels. Hopefully some of them are listening. <laughs> um, I went to Texas A&M University and then I came out to California for chiropractic school. And um, from there, uh, my path, like my life's path just took me in the direction of women's health. And after chiro school, I was in the sports rehab world. And um, that's what I thought I wanted to be. And I was traveling on set for movies or with uh, certain um, professional athletes. And I just found myself drawn into women's health with either some clients or patients that I had back in LA or on the road. And I realized that I didn't really know anything at that time. Um, Even though I took this whole doctorate program and I did pre-med and undergrad and, you know, I, realized I knew very little about women's health. And um, I realized that a lot of people don't know about women's health unless they like choose to go down that field. And even my friends, like I had friends at the time that were going through med school and uh, some friends that were going through 
um, PT school and, you know, just different schooling. And, um, yeah, we just didn't, we're like, yeah, I don't know where this information is. So when I became just really curious about it, I decided to take all the extra trainings I could. And, um, at that time there was an ICPA diplomat program for chiropractors and it focused mainly on pediatrics, but there was one, uh, seminar in there called the Webster technique. And, um, so I did that. I did, uh, birth doula training. I did childbirth educator training. Um, what else did I do? I did sacred pregnancy training. I did innate postpartum training, hypnobirthing, um, did energy healing. What else? You know, You've just been uh, really like running. Yeah. No, but I mean, that, that's important because I think that's huge. Like, it's so cool to hear you talking about this because I actually work closely. Like in in, in our clinic, we have uh, specifically a pelvic floor physical therapist, and oh, awesome. so it's really cool to be able to talk to her. And certain times, I'm just like I might be working with a patient, and I'll say, "Hey, Lori, like either hey, come out here, I have a question," or I'll tell them, "Like, no, you need to go see her. Like, there's yeah. stuff that I'm not going to be able to do that you need to be able to talk to her uh, about." And I think whether it's PT, whether it's Cairo, like they're this is such an untouched thing where I, I believe it, I heard it was in Scandinavia. Like uh, women after pregnancy, I believe are required to do like uh, a certain amount of like physical therapy uh, just to help themselves recover, which I think something right? like that, that would be huge. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that just be a different world we live in? <laughs> I, I think it would help if out would, so yeah. many people. It really, yeah. really would. Uh, and I'm curious. So like, because when you're working with somebody now, what does, what does that process even look like? Like, where do you start? Where do you finish? Like along yeah. the whole route? Because I know it's more than just, okay, however long birth takes, like there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. So I'll kind of give you birth fit in a nutshell. And, you know, this is good practice for me because we've evolved and hopefully the listeners um, have seen us evolve that birth fit started as a blog in 2011. And then we added, affiliates they're now known as regional directors starting in 2014 and we started with five and then we grew to like 12 and then around like 25 26 and then this year we're at 93 and that's just across the united states and canada but um there's definitely interest and growth in other parts of the world for instance we're going this summer to Europe for birth fit coach seminars and uh, we'll be in London and Germany. But um, yeah, our goal is to educate and empower women. And it sounds pretty cliche, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's like those are hot, hot words these days, but we strive to give the best information and the best information may not always be, um, like have research on it. It may just be from our experience in clinics across the United States or our experience within our classes. Which is important may... to note because people yeah. all of a sudden dispel something. Oh, you know what? It doesn't have like all this peer reviewed evidence. It's like, you know what? But people are out there doing this every single day and it's working every very well. Day. Research yeah. is still 10 years behind half the time. What's happening in the clinic or what's that. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah. I once heard this quote from somebody that, um, I thought it was just kind of hilarious, but it was science only advances one funeral at a time. And (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of true. (laughs) Um, We're lucky because we obviously live in the age of the Internet. So hopefully it advances a little 
uh, faster these days. But um, yeah, so we started as a blog, then regional directors were added. And basically, they wanted to have the same classes that I at the time was having here in Los Angeles. So I started something called a birth fit prenatal series and a birth fit postpartum series. And the birth fit prenatal series is our version of birth education. And this is basically based on my experience as a chiropractor, as a doula, as a childbirth educator, a hypnobirthing instructor and everything put together because I felt like all of these birth educations before us paved the way, but we needed stuff that was 2018, you know, stuff that is happening today. And for us, this meant breath work, this meant positions, this meant incorporating some science along the lines of like the polyvagal theory and having access to our breath so that we can move our body and have freedom in birth and the labor scenario. Um, so that's all in our postpartum series, which also includes postpartum planning. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a four class birth education with mom and, uh, her partner. So whoever she's going to have at her birth, and this could be her husband, it could be her boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, whoever, but, um, it's whoever mom's going to have at her birth. Um, and so then the birth fit postpartum series was basically our first, our answer for birth rehab, like we were talking about earlier. Um, I, I think I was pulled into the medical world based on my experience growing up. Like I was, um, you know, one of those asthmatic kids and then I tore my ACL and had surgery in high school. And, um, I, at that time I had a super progressive surgeon and before I could even go into surgery, he made me go see a chiropractor. He made me go to PT. He made me go to a rolfer, which I was like, what the heck is a rolfer? <laughs> yeah. And this was in 2000 and I was probably, oh, so this is 2000. That's like super progressive. Yeah. Right, right. In Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God, this, this doc is like, he's going for it. Um, and at the time he was the orthopedic surgeon for the San Antonio Spurs and he wore scrubs and cowboy boots into every appointment. <laughs> yeah. So you listen to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did six weeks of prehab before my surgery and, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back, that was my first kind of exposure to like intentionally training for an event. Mm -hmm. And that's where we come like with birth that we're intentionally training for the motherhood transition and then recovering intentionally on the other side of birth. And, you know, like we talked about few seconds ago, there's nothing as far as a standard postpartum care plan in our country. And the only thing that there is, is like, hey, six weeks, you go get checked by your healthcare provider, whether it's a OB-GYN or a midwife, and then they most like you, clear you for sex and exercise. And as women, you know, where do you even begin? Where do you even start? And I like, I, this was this, when I found this out, and coming from a like orthopedic world, um, I was like, wait, I knew exactly what I was doing post-op for my 
ACL, MCL, PCL, like whatever, anything in my knee, I blew out. But I knew exactly what I was doing the minute I woke up from surgery, two days in, like six weeks out, three months out, nine months out, 12 months out. Yeah, it's it's exact every step of the way. Yeah. And there's nothing like that for uh, postpartum women in our country. And there's nothing like that differentiated from vaginal versus cesarean birth. Or if you have, you know, a ton of drugs, cocktails going on in you. Because even um, that plays a part into recovery. You know, if you get epidural, if you get Pitocin, if you get all kinds of medications, like that's going to alter your body's physiology and affect recovery. So I was just floored at that. And that was where the postpartum rehab started coming about in the with the BirthFit postpartum series. And since then, those were our first two classes. We've evolved. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, each regional director now teaches something that's called the birth, <clears throat> excuse me, breath and flow, which a lot of our movement philosophy and rehab is based on DNS, which is dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. And it's from the Prague School of Rehab. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I found this, I was like, oh my God, this is the missing link. This is breath. This is because our, our movement, everything starts with breath. And um, our diaphragm is basically the muscle that b- breathes for us and it connects the physical and the non physical. And when I found this, I was like, okay, this is, this is gold. Um, and so our BirthFit Breath and Flow course was born. Our BirthFit Postpartum series was updated. BirthFit Prenatal series was updated. And now we have BirthFit um, Basics workshops. And then we have the BirthFit Coach Seminar and the BirthFit Professional Seminar. So there's a ton of stuff that kind of grew since 2011. But um, any woman can start with us at any time. For instance, we've had... Um, women as late as 37 weeks come to us in Los Angeles and, you know, various locations around the country. They're like, I want to get birth fit. And you would think like, okay, no, like come back after baby's born. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we just start with breath work and, you know, we take, we meet mom where she's at that day and then go from there. But, um, yeah, anytime throughout the motherhood transition, we like to connect and progress together. I find it so interesting that you bring up the breath work so much right there because uh, we're talking like, okay, your crowd, you're speaking more to uh, uh, either potential mothers, mothers-to-be, like current mothers. I'm speaking more to like strong man, but you know what? Yeah. Breath, like it still comes down to that's such an incredible part of any and all of this that uh, people have to understand that like breathing with any lifting technique, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be a slightly different type of breath work, but the breath and proper, proper breathing mechanics throughout, whether it be childbirth, whether it be going for a max squat or deadlift or something yeah. like that. And it's still, the breath is so critical either way. So I find that fascinating, actually just the link between the two as well. Yeah. I was going to ask like, what is do you find a big disconnect between the strongmen and their breathing or do you find that they're able to access breath because it's almost, they have to do it kind of innately, like especially on the bigger lifts. Yeah. I think it really, it's so dependent on the person. Uh, and also just depends on 
how ingrained they are. Actually, I, I think more of where I notice it with is depending on the mobility of just the rib cage and the spine. Yeah. Uh, if somebody has been doing just very limited movements, they've been only doing uh, more static lifts and they've never learned how to access that. That's where I just see more problems with that uh, versus it's just the the higher level the athlete, usually the easier it is, I think, to be able to find something like that and okay. uh, be able to really Oh, like uh, that we talk about like coachability a lot of times, right? So it's, Hey, if you're coachable, like you'll be able to pick up on that. Um, but it yeah. still comes down to, uh, like what Tudor Pompa, like saying like, okay, it takes three to 500 repetitions to learn something. It takes three <laughs> to 5,000 plus those extra three to 500 to relearn something. So no matter what, it's going to take work to really be able to get that, uh, just ingrained as just an automatic movement. Totally. I'm really glad you mentioned that because, we like one of our biggest hurdles is helping moms like shift their minds in the postpartum period. And we consider the whole first year postpartum and um, you know, when they hear that six week clearance or when they compare themselves against somebody else, like they feel like they should be further along than they are. And it takes, well, you and I both know like soft tissue, a certain amount of time to heal. (laughs) And we can't see this like with, the female body it's usually healing on the inside and healing from the inside out so it's it's completely unrealistic to think your body's healed at six weeks or even three months but um if you've been doing like and we talk about this during our coach seminar something like you know olympic lifting or running and your biomechanics have altered then those like like shitty movement patterns get stored in the primitive brain. And then, like you said, you have to relearn everything in that postpartum period. So adjusting stuff throughout pregnancy is important. Having that patience and I guess that just that trust in the process on the postpartum side is key because it'll come back. But like you said, it does require a certain amount of reps, time, intentionality. You know, it takes a while. And going off like the mindset and stuff, one I, I was listening to, I, I think it was either a show that you were on or one of your more recent podcasts and talking about intentional eating. And oh. <laughs> I, if you wouldn't mind just going into that, because this is, again, I don't think this is isolated to any one person, but I thought it was right. incredibly impactful when I was listening to it from the standpoint of thinking about uh a mother who uh, is not only feeding herself, but feeding uh, a baby inside of her. So like, if you could go into that a little bit, I think this is a really Mm. important concept, please. Yeah. So I probably won't do it justice, but (laughs) Melissa Hemphill, she was, uh, she's on our squad. She's the birth fit coach director. So she's the director of that program, but she's also trained in, eating psychology and I believe it's called the eating psychology Institute. It's in Colorado. I know I've heard uh, of something is the psychology Institute. Yeah. With eating. Yeah. It's great. And, um, the guy's name is Mark David and they basically study nutritional belief systems and archetypes and the whole emotional aspect around eating. And one thing that she's, told me early on and I I believe I heard her because we tag team the coach seminar like for the last year we have but um, one of the things she said is that 
basically mom equals love and mom equals food. So if you think about that, like that's all the baby knows, whether the baby's inside mom's belly or outside. And that's the first exposure of like on earth side. So having that mom equals love, mom equals food, that's like already being programmed in baby's brain. So as we grow older, we have to like shift and become more aware of how food equals love or how we speak love through food. And, um, you know, for instance, this is if uh, you go to grandma's house and she bakes a pie and she's like, oh, I love you so much. I baked your favorite pie. And she stares at you and tries to encourage you to eat the whole thing (laughs) because basically (laughs) if you eat the whole thing, then you love her back. But it's having that awareness around, you know, acts like that and saying, thank you, grandma. I'm just going to have one slice, but I, I, I hear how much you love me. And, um, you know, that's one example of equating food to love, but also, you know, we have, um, we live in a world, I guess that's, uh, dominated by, masculine energy mm-hmm. or it's a, the, there's a big shift right now but um there's there's supposed to be a balance of both and um we've been programmed especially in the fitness world to like <clears throat> excuse me count food count calories count macros do blocks things like that right and when you're going through the motherhood transition it's almost a call back to your feminine energy like the power that resides in you which is more intuitive listening to your body and uh, it's almost I kind of think you know we're called back into that feminine energy basically to prepare us for birth and what's to come and to gain that you know that next level sense of being a mother but um, yeah mindful eating is is pretty powerful and one of the simplest exercise we encourage people to do is just start with taking 10 breaths before you eat and think about it through breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth and slowing down those exhales because slowing down exhales making them longer that will help to downregulate your autonomic nervous system which will basically put you in a kind of calm state rest and regeneration state And that's the state in which we can basically consume the most nutrients. Like if we're operating in the fight or flight or even, I mean, parasympathetic shock, we wouldn't be operating. But if we're operating in like a more stressful environment, then we actually don't consume the same amount of nutrients. You know, two people can have the same meal and have a much different experience. So. Well, I wouldn't say consume, but absorb probably. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah, how I think absorb, about it. Right, for right. sure. Uh, and I think that's such an overlooked part of it because just because you're eating something doesn't mean your body's taking it in by any means. And right. why waste your time trying to get all this good food in you if you're just shoveling it in just to have it come mm-hmm. out just the other end? Like there's, there's no reason you'd be better off eating yeah, a little bit less. Yeah, just to check the box. Yeah. Bring it yeah. in with, with that love, with that intention, and it's going to have so many more benefits to you, baby, whatever it is that you're looking to enhance even. Totally. We did a podcast last week with um, Lily Nichols and she wrote a book. It's just came out. It's called um, real food for pregnancy. And I mean, if people want to go into 
the sciencey stuff of prenatal nutrition or postpartum nutrition, that book is the best thing I've seen to date. Like she's done her research and God bless her because I'm sure she spent hours and hours researching, <laughs> but, um, it has so much in there and it relates basically real food and how we need, you know, as close to the source as possible, as close to end season as possible and relates basically or compares our culture excuse me, to other cultures around the world and just how we're kind of missing the mark as far as nutrition for the mo- the motherhood transition. And, you know, her research is just, it's, it's brilliant. I would recommend anybody thinking about conceiving or pregnant, definitely get that book. Right on. That'd, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Lindsay, I was going to ask you about, uh, where, <laughs> I, I had a question written down because I wanted to see uh, and I'm drawing a complete blank, but it was, uh, <laughs> aren't you a dad? Yeah, that's, thank you. That's exactly where I want to go. I'm looking like my <laughs> list of questions. No, because this was going to be something, uh, you read that perfectly. That was fantastic. Um, wow. I, I wanted to know, like, how can dads help? Whether it's first time dad, whether it's, Hey, you already have kids, but you also had like a, a list of resources, like on uh, the birth fit website. And I'm curious if that would be the same, if that's for dads as well to read, or if you have any other recommended readings as well. Yeah, I haven't found and or a podcast guests that you've had on that would be helpful yeah. for anybody too. Um, so about two weeks ago we released a podcast. I just totally veered off on another thought, but <laughs> about two weeks ago we had a dad on and his name was Jackson Appel. Yes, I, I listened to that. That was very good. And I would recommend right? people checking this out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whatever you believe or anything, I think the greatest thing that he got across was that he took action as far as postpartum depression goes. And when he saw that his wife was experiencing this, he was like, okay, then we're going to do something now when next baby comes along, we're going to plan ahead. And, um, you know, I thought that was like basically the initiative that he took was, was pretty astounding. Um, I would say dad's partners like communicate communication's huge. And, um, your relationship with mom is going to change. It's going to evolve. There's going to be depths that you probably did not know were there, but, um, communication is key and letting mom know that she's still beautiful and sexy and wanted, especially after birth, like in the first six weeks or the first three months. Um, that's pretty key. And that's, you know, stuff we hear is that the, that message gets lost in translation because oftentimes dad or partner, they only know how to do like communicate that through physical touch or through sex and it could be a different act of love you know or just simply saying something like hey like you look really beautiful doing this or anything you know um and then who was this okay lane gaunt she was on our podcast probably about a few months ago and um she was sharing, I wish I could take credit for this, but I, this is brilliant. Um, reintroducing sex after birth. And, um, she said, 
you know, basically if I'm not comfortable touching myself, then why should I be comfortable with somebody else touching me? And so basically they started reintroducing sex again with just her feeling herself, touching herself, and either dad was in the room or dad wasn't. But she said that took a few weeks, and then we slowly became more and more intimate. And I was like, I thought that was just brilliant. No, and that makes, I mean, how, however you would want to do that, that makes sense. So because no matter what, I will never, no man out there is ever going to understand what a woman just went through and or what she's experiencing at that right. time. You, you, we can do our best to communicate. We can do our best to, when you were saying like the, telling her she's beautiful, sexy, like I immediately thought of um, uh, Gary Chapman, uh, the five love languages, uh, like mm, not yeah. showing that outside of just physical touch, but trying to uh, show her that you love her in other ways. Um, but yeah, is there I, I, anything that you did differently or that you were aware of on your end that I'm you remember? To, and I've been trying to think about this, like also like uh, when our first son was born versus our second son was born. I'm trying to think like yeah. how I did that differently. And there were differences, but it's hard to say for me. It's hard because when there was only one, it was easier from the standpoint of there was is we're just caring for him. Like, and yeah. other than that, now it's just, okay, I can worry. I can just go get everything else done that needs to get done uh, just to help out with whatever I can versus mm-hmm. when there's a second one. And, and it definitely does make it challenging uh, for everybody because now it's, okay, you are going to try and get help get everything else done around the house, around whatever else needs. Uh, but then you're trying to take care of one while trying to either maybe give her a little rest and watch both of them or it, it's... I think communication yeah. really is the biggest thing. I think uh, of anything that you said there, I don't think anything else can replace that. And I will say for us, like communication wasn't the easiest because my wife's like, she also recognized it then too. It was like, okay, her hormones are being thrown off at that time and she yeah. might be very upset and I have to. And I was there, there were certain times where I would almost laugh and I would try not to because I knew like that wasn't her. And then yeah. 10 minutes later, she would be, I'm sorry for that. Like, uh, and, and we could go about it and we were fine with that. But I, I also had to recognize, I think that was probably the biggest thing for me is recognizing um, when I screwed up versus when she's just yelling at me because she's frustrated and just is yelling at something. Uh, right. And, and not take it personal. Right. Exactly. Uh, because coming back to where I said, I will never be able to understand. I, I will never have empathy i can have some sympathy for her but i'm never going to give birth so i can only do my best uh as far as understanding what she's going through and helping her out in really any way i can uh so i think at that point it's pay attention to the little things uh that would be my biggest advice probably is Mm. pay attention to every little detail you can and take care of any little detail you can so that you don't have to so that it's not on her uh, or she's not having to ask you about things multiple times. Like really just kind of getting <laughs> stuff done. Yeah. What would you how, wait? How far apart are your kids? Just about two years. What would you say was the biggest shift for y'all? And it may be that y'all had an enhanced communication system or yeah, you shifted into knowing being more aware of the small things. But um, was there any like big, big shift 
in action between the first and second? I think just by having the other one, you're almost, you're already uh, maybe hyper aware of what you need to be taken care of uh, because there's already less time. So it's, (laughs) <laughs> yes. No, and really it's obviously like hey it is a huge time commitment to have kids and you have to understand that and i i think that i'm just I'm trying to like see how to word it because it's i think it's a difficult thing to word for me uh we're already aware of and i think there's also just less surprises uh yeah. at least for us there was and i'm sure there can always be more surprises with a second with a third and so on uh, but I would say you're at least more prepared just as a parent. And I think just having that learning from the first one, uh, but, and I say learning, not just experiencing, because <laughs> yeah. that's an important distinction that, that, that might be my advice is actually taking what you did learn, uh, from the first time, whether it's, uh, between your communication, whether it's, uh, making sure things are done around the house, making sure the, making sure, you know, Hey, what is going on with your baby? Like you, nothing is, like I said, I, I just find less surprises. Uh, so you're just more prepared overall. Um, but actually implementing that, not just taking from the first time and just kind of throwing it out the window. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. How about, <sighs> well, I was going to say, do you have any recommendations? Because I'm, Somebody, well, I don't like to necessarily read a physical book as much anymore, um, but I love <laughs> I, I, I love listening to podcasts and I love listening to audio books. So that's what I was going to ask you, just even recommendations on just even other books or anything. Or would you still say uh, that a father or a partner in general could get a lot out of the books that you had on the website recommended there? Yeah, I try to stay. And I think this is what's cool about BirthFit is that a lot of our classes, seminars, podcasts, tend to be, um, I want to say approachable for all sexes or anybody that identifies with either sex. Like, um, there's definitely some of the podcasts that are, you know, more emotional, spiritual stuff like that, which may relate more to females at certain times of their lives. But, um, I think the more a, a male can dive in and at least try to understand where mom's coming from you know even if it's listening to a 60 minute podcast or 30 minute then you might gain a little insight and you know maybe uh approach the next situation that they're in together from a different lens um yeah but i just think uh one of the best books out there which you know is not birth specific is uh mindset by carol dweck Mm -hmm. and Everybody on our team is required to read that. And I like if I could make all my doula clients, everybody read that I would because it's basically talking about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, which is like growth mindset. Basically, every obstacle is a learning experience. Fixed mindset is, you know, something where you say I'm bad at math. I'm never going to be good at math. So I'm not even going to study it Um, or, you know, just there's no growth possible or evolution possible in that fixed mindset. Um, well, how do you take that form of a mindset? So thinking about it in those terms, (laughs) no, and applying it to, to the birthing process. Yeah. So this super simple example, and I give this one a lot is, you know, if I have a woman that comes to me and she says, I want to be birth fit, but my mom had a cesarean, my sister had a cesarean. So I don't know if it's for me. 
And, you know, my biggest comeback to that is, well, cesareans don't run in your family because that's <laughs> not, yeah, it's not yeah. <laughs> that not possible. But um, let's, if you, if you have that mindset, then yeah, I can guarantee that you're going to have one. But if you want to start taking steps and exploring options like, okay, it was it a provider situation? Was it a health situation? You know, there's a number of things that are in our control that we can adjust or bring attention to when it comes to preparing for birth. And then, you know, maybe she does want a cesarean and, you know, that's her choice. And maybe she has the most beautiful cesarean birth ever. Um, but yeah, that's one little example. And, um, you know, you can apply the growth or fixed mindset basically to anything in life. And um, we try to use it at our gym a lot, at Deuce Gym. And we say, you know, we have this phrase, basically, it's what an opportunity. <laughs> and um, basically anything we can learn from, we're like, okay, what an opportunity. Or a lot of room for improvement there. <laughs> and I think it's important, though, because... Like you said, I, I could think of multiple ways to use this, whether it's centered around birth, whether it's centered around just life in general. I mean, business, uh, we're talking about like mm -hmm. in the gym, lifting, strength, anything like that. Uh, but it's it, it really goes to, I, I think, coming back to the physical repetitions we were talking about before. You just have to put in the mental repetitions at something like this, too, uh, to have it be ingrained. Otherwise it really is going to fall on the same thing. Like you're going to just revert back to the old habits of poor breathing or here in case, in this case, like a negative or poor mindset too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So I think, um, you do a really good job of staying curious and with your growth mindset. Um, can I ask you how you got into being a Czech practitioner? Yeah, sure. That's, Wow. So check practitioner. You're the first one on our on our podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, cool. Uh, well, actually, I'm curious. What what do you know about the Czech Institute? Like, do you, do you have much insight on Paul Czech or anything like that? I've read um, I have his books, some okay. of them. Yeah, but um, definitely not a practitioner like you are. So, all right, I'm I'm into it. So, so if we're talking books, like if for me the ultimate health book, just as that encompasses. A little bit of everything is going to be how to eat, move, and be healthy uh, by yeah. Paul Check. Like that, it, you're going to get so much. I usually try and read it once a year still. Uh, and it's <laughs> funny, like I've been, the the first couple of years I had it, so I've been studying at the Institute uh, about eight years now. Wow, uh, okay. So like the first couple of years, I probably read it two, three times a year. And like wow. I'm still getting new stuff out of it, which is really cool Close and i think mindset yeah and and there, there you go but i think that's something you can do or should be able to do with any book um yeah but the book aside like i okay so it, it actually started uh through the underground wellness podcast uh with sean croxton um okay. my friend and i like we used to he, he got me kind of hooked on podcasts like i said right around eight years ago and we heard paul check come on and just like blew everything like, out of the water yeah. like, just absolutely awesome and we're both like hey i mean absolutely open to any hearing anything and um being a pt uh or like any i would say any healthcare practitioner uh you can become very intimidated by paul very easily uh not because again he doesn't necessarily have the the doctorate or any of that but 
he knows his shit just flat out like yeah he, he's got it down uh and he wears it on his sleeve and so i took my first um check exercise class with dan hellman then uh, a few months after i heard of paul like i just became uh completely just uh, enveloped in all of his info yeah. uh so i did that i went on uh i've taken a couple levels on the practitioner side taking the holistic lifestyle coaching and this has really just been like I, like it's an amazing transformation like uh i'm what i'm 32 so i started probably when i was like 24 maybe i was 25 i don't remember oh but awesome like those first 20 plus years like yeah i feel like I, I did changes like i learned a lot read a lot and but i think just even in these last few years like i've seen myself just go through so many changes uh and again not just physically but we're talking physically emotionally mentally spiritually uh all of the above and I would have to trace it back to that. Um, I, I don't know that there's any one particular thing uh, that really changed me on there. Because again, it's I took that first class there and then I took the Holistic Lifestyle Coach with uh, J.P. Sears. Uh, and that was just a whirlwind of like, just like diving into some of this. And then you go like HLC2, HLC3, like when Paul's teaching stuff and just sitting in a classroom with him for a week uh, you mm. will just go, you, you're uh, talking about mindset. You're going to go through every and all iterations, uh, that you can <laughs> from high to low to left to right to up to down. I mean, it, and it's an incredible experience and I, I, I can't thank Paul and everybody who's I've worked with at the Institute enough, uh, for what they've done, but it's, it's amazing to me how simple he makes everything. And I think that's why I gravitate towards him because he can mm. spit out all the science, spit out all the research and he's done it all, but he has applied it to himself and he just boils everything down to really meet people where they're at. Uh, and, and that's, I, I think that's uh, what I'm loving. Just even talking to you, Lindsay, I mean, everything still comes down to a few simple principles, a few, few simple action items. And if you can do that, then you truly understand something. Then you truly know something because you can teach it simple all the way up to complex. Complex yeah. doesn't work for everybody. So you have to be able to go across that spectrum. That's awesome. If you were thinking back, back when you first did your first seminar, do you remember one of the first changes you made to your lifestyle? Oh yeah. Uh, it was actually, so it was an exercise based class, like through the practitioner program. But again, they're all very like holistic from a health standpoint. And okay. yeah, I mean, I went that, that like within a couple of weeks, I just had gone gluten free. And for me, it was just an experiment. I was going to try it for a month, see what happened. Yeah. Uh, and well, seven, eight years later, like I haven't <laughs> changed. Like, uh, and does that mean that I necessarily have like celiacs or anything like that no but i when, when you're you like the way you feel right like when you're like i said i think i was 24 maybe i was 25 whatever if you're a 25 year old kid right and you all of a sudden lose about 15 20 pounds in one month uh but you actually get stronger when you do that you go and instead of needing nine hours of sleep a night like i'm down to like i can still sleep nine hours but I rarely need that anymore. Like seven to eight, I'm really pretty good. Uh, my, I don't have any more like joint pains, anything like that. Like just that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. then the other thing too is just the afternoon crash. Like 
I would still crash like mid afternoon, like three, four o'clock. Uh, I would be exhausted. Uh, and I don't get that anymore. And really like there was just snap of a finger, like within that first week, I was like, well, this is pretty cool. And I was just like, what else is going to happen? Uh, and so whether I have a sensitivity, whether I'm intolerant, whether at Celex, like I, I don't really care, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, I feel better without it. And so it was, I, that led me then to like, okay, understanding that we still all have to somewhat experiment on ourselves. And I think this is where I hadn't thought about it until you were saying it earlier when we were talking about the, uh, the, the intentional eating. Uh, I hadn't thought about that so much as a feminine energy, but that's something that Paul really goes into and teaches a lot of, uh, and using like making soul connection and being able to mm. really just feel your food, like feel the energy from it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I hadn't recognized that as a feminine energy. I think until you said it, just the, the, the way that you said it, it was like, I've, I've learned to, uh, tap into both sides of both yeah. yin yang, like male, female, whatever it is. And being able to do that uh, has probably just let so much more growth for me as a person because now I'm able to do that uh, self-reflection and really not just say, oh, well, the science says this, so I should just do this. It's like, yes, the science says that, but how does it make me feel? How do I react to right. that? And I'm able to really blend those two together much easier now. That's awesome. How does... um how do you do it as a parent? Like when you're, have you thought about, or are you intentional with the foods you introduce to your kiddos? So yes, I mean, <laughs> they have, well, Max, he's just starting to dabble in solid foods okay. right now. So yeah. for him, it's, I mean, some avocado, like some cooked sweet potatoes, like pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start actually probably, I might do egg yolks for him tonight for the first time, but oh. it's, yeah, and obviously like we're going organic and or like, hey, when in season, we're getting from the local farmers around here or from our backyard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for Cooper, he can make his own food decisions. But what are the food decisions? Like, what are, what are the choices that he has? It's, it's what yeah. we have in the house. Uh, so sure, <laughs> that, like we'll get snacks. Like he'll get to – it's not about depriving him of things, but – it's trying to give him the best possible options and seeing what his choices are that he wants to make. And that still is going to be up to him. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I must say the, the big thing that I'm happy about is, uh, he likes eating goat butter just by itself and he loves liverwurst. So <laughs> I, I'm super happy about those. Two. I love liverwurst. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so yeah, we, we have that multiple times a week usually. Oh, that's awesome. So, what is your life? I'm sure people are wondering. You're a professional. You're a PT. Um, you're a dad of two, a husband. So you wear many hats. What does your week look like or your day-to-day? -day? Like, how do you manage it all? Uh, Julie and I help each other. Uh, first and <laughs> foremost. No, I, and I have to say that. Like, that is where that communication, uh, our ever-evolving communi communication comes into play. Uh, yeah. But... Okay, this is something I was thinking about actually just doing like a short podcast on, I, or maybe I did, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those, you have, we all have 168 hours in a week, right? Yeah. So we are all free to make whatever decisions we want. Uh, I can come into the clinic or I don't want have to every day, right? Mm -hmm. Like I still have that choice. Uh, I can choose to, like every day I take, 
the dogs and the boys and we go on a walk. Uh, and part of that is so we all get out in nature. Part of it is so we spend time together. Um, but part of it is like so even Julie just gets break a little bit too and sometimes we'll all go together uh but we make those choices uh and there's a reason i'm i make i make time to get sleep uh sure right now is that interrupted in the middle of the night yes it's interrupted but (laughs) making sure that i'm not going to bed at 10 and getting up at three like no it's not just i'm giving myself a five hour window that i know i'm gonna be up in no i'm going to bed and giving myself minimum of eight hours to at least have the chance to be asleep uh Got it. It's. I, I think it comes down to making those choices uh, that are not only best for me but best for my family. And this is actually going back to like something Paul has taught me. Uh, so I used to be an I, right? Like where it was just me. I really didn't have to mm-hmm. worry about anybody else. Uh, and then uh, met my uh, at that time girlfriend, wife now Julie, and we became a we. Uh, uh, like so you have one you go to two we had some dogs so there's still some responsibility there but it still isn't the same Uh, but then we go really into an all where now it's okay every decision that i make sure i do have to think about myself i have to think about the both of us but i also have to think about our entire family so there's that comes into really what my week looks like right like am i going to go and work 60 70 80 hours or am i going to put in enough time at the clinic. I'm going to get on and be able to talk with people like yourself and be able to hopefully share this, uh, and and really enjoy doing that. And this is part of, so this is part work for me, right? But this is part just playtime, if you will, where you just get to have fun and enjoy it. Uh, so thinking about all of those things that I need, but I also need to give to my wife, give to my family. Uh, and that's what it's really about is, uh, what are my core values? What do I value truly and making the time for those as best I can? That's huge. How do like, how do you, I, uh, tongue twister. I would have probably a ton of moms, females, partners, um, asking you, okay, how do you help them figure out their core values or how do you help dad plan their week? Um, yeah, think, what is any well, just the core value? For? The core values yeah. is okay. We could talk how about how did you figure out yours? Uh, and that's been, I would still say it's in evolution, but yeah, let's talk I about agree. it in the terms of okay, let's talk about just nutrition. That's been a big talk today. So, yeah, you need to know what it is that you value about your nutrition and why. Well, I just sent out a couple hundred dollars again last week, uh, for our CSA that's upcoming this year. Mm. So, I'm putting, we're putting our value, I should say, into that. So we yeah. value a local organic farmer that we eat from over half of the year. Uh, but I'm also, I just this past weekend, uh, planted, helped Cooper help me plant seeds down in the basement. So they're starting for our garden. Uh, mm. Like it's, it's things like that. And then it's, okay, what do we value? We value, again, basically whole foods. Like we value buy, spending a little bit more for uh, when we can, the local foods, the pasture-raised meats, all of that. So you have to understand, okay, those are, say those are your values, but you know what? Price still comes up. Well, then it's, okay, how can you get the most bang for your buck? Like, okay, you should probably be starting with, again, any of the the meats, the fish, the eggs, because they're going to be the highest contaminants if there are going to be anything, right? 
So right. it's you can take your values and maybe you can't implement all of those values, but you can do good, better, best. And that's good as you're already going just maybe with the whole foods, right? Better is, hey, I'm going to buy the, the highest quality that I can. Maybe it's not the best, but you've made that conscious decision to go towards that. Uh, so we yeah, can do that in with that nutrition. Direction. Yeah, we can do it with a movement practice. So movement, again, you're looking at, okay, well, what do I value? I value being able to, I, I, I want to be strong. I do enjoy being strong, but I want to be able to move the way that I'm moving now uh, yeah. for myself. But also I, I'm a physical therapist, so I sure as hell better be able to show people how to move properly too, right? <laughs> so I have to do that yeah. now, but I don't want to do that just now. I want to be able to do that when I'm, 80, 100, I mean, whatever it is, however long I live. Uh, and right. sure, it might not be the same strength, but I have to value now. Okay, so I value good movement. Well, what does that mean? We talked about breath work, right? So yeah. I, I take that. Like, You don't think of that as a core value, but if you actually get down to it, and, and this will take time. Like this like isn't- the freedom to move, yeah. Right, this isn't something like that I just all of a sudden came up with, right? Like I said, I've been working on this for eight years now, like pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. So- I recognize that that's what I want to look at. And you can take this now to all areas of your life. So you can take it to whether it's your job, career, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur. I mean, any of those things, it depends what you are, what you value uh, is going to reflect the type of the, the way in which you get paid from the world, whatever that looks like. Uh, right. And so maybe it's the way the world values your services or the energy you put out. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. how do I apply this to, to, <laughs> to somebody else? I mean, it's, you have to just think about those things. And I would suggest like, come up with the columns, like the, those, you, you could take your four pillars if you want, right? Like for me, I look at Paul checks, like six foundation principles. Um, we can look at any of those things and you can just put those down. Okay. Well, these, these are my things here. And yeah, you can say you value health, but you still go to McDonald's. Well, Right. No, you you don't. I'm sorry. Like there, that I wouldn't even offer the up as a good option. Right. The, it's exactly. It. You're not giving that action. Now you might be eating low quality food, but if you're still eating whole food, then I can say you've actually taken that step to go in that right direction. Uh, so it's it really comes down to, and I hate saying like being honest because it's like, well, everything I say better be honest. Like, otherwise, why am I talking? Uh, but that's how I look at it. Like you have to be very introspective and honest with yourself regarding, uh, health or otherwise, uh, what your core values are. And like I said, it's write them down. Maybe that, that might be the best way for you to get them right. out. Or maybe it's, well, if you're an I, it's you can talk about it with yourself. You can write it down. If you're a we and you're just a couple at that point, well, you too can communicate about it. Uh, but then when you become an all, like you can communicate th about this with your kids. Like my son, he still has the choice. Like he can still eat other foods. And you know what? Like Christmas time, like one of his favorite new words is cookie. And he likes to bake <laughs> cookies with Julie, but they're still going to use the best quality ingredients that they can to make those cookies. And they're not having it every single night either. I mean, right. so it, it's finding what those values are and finding out what those values are of those around you. Uh, and you have to have that communication about all of those. And I really emphasize that know what your loved ones, partners, who anybody that you share intimate contact with, uh, you have to know what each other's core values are as well. Um, otherwise, 
it's going to be tough because if you if you place great value on nutrition but your partner doesn't, that's going to lead to a lot of butting of heads. And especially if you yeah. now add, so that's at the we level. If you take that to the all level and now you add even one or more kids into it and one of you is go ahead and, oh yeah, you can just eat cake, eat, eat, drink your drink your juice, no problem. <laughs> and the other one says, no, I, I would like to at least, hey, maybe have a snack once in a while, but we're going to try and eat uh, whole foods. We're going to go into the farmer's market and it's going to be tough to make that work and you're going to have to communicate yeah. what you really want from that. That's so true. How have you found, like, I'm curious from the working with a lot of moms, like how do they see that as far as like maybe their core values or I, I don't know if that's something you necessarily go into with them or it's, yeah. like, is it more like, okay, what do they want to get out of this? Yeah, I would, you know, I would relate this to our birth desires almost like, and that's super specific, but we basically kind of narrowed down. Okay. How do you want to feel during your birth? So we haven't even said that you is know, an awesome question to ask. Yeah, wow. Because you may want to feel safe and secure. You may want to feel natural and free. Like there's all different kinds of adjectives that people use. Sure. And, and then to make sure dad or partner like how they want to feel too in that setting can be honored as well and then you know build your birth experience around that um and so sometimes when it's like they realize oh i want to feel this way and you start to put things in action around that feeling then maybe your healthcare provider doesn't line up with what you want to feel or maybe the setting in which your healthcare provider wants you to deliver in doesn't line up or whatever, you know. So then it goes back to, okay, like this is how I want to feel and I'm going to be in action around it. Um, and you can even take that, like let's say mom is, you know, she's been laboring for two days and she wanted um, her intention or her she wanted to feel um basically to have a vaginal birth like maybe that was somewhere in there and maybe the choice comes down to getting an epidural or not and if her desires and feelings are still being met then maybe the epidural is the right decision at that time um so yeah i i think what you're saying very much relates to the the birth scenario specifically which is kind of cool very nice very nice yeah well, let's see. I know we're coming up like on the end of I our know. hour here. This has been uh, this has been awesome. Like we've been going all yeah. over the place, but it's still so cool how everything has been relating to each other wh wherever yeah. we go. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind sharing, like, hey, wh where we can go ahead find out about BirthFit? Hey, for any moms to be, current moms, uh, anybody, any across the board, and or I should say partners, families. I think this sounds like an awesome resource. If you wouldn't mind sharing, please. Yeah. So birthfit.com, pretty simple, or birthfit on Instagram, or birthfit podcast. Those are the, we're on Facebook as well. We have a, just a general birthfit Facebook group that uh, people share a bunch of stuff in and it's open to the public. So if anybody wants to join that, they can. Um, but yeah, those are all the sources. And then um, there's regional directors in various locations throughout the country 
So I would look for one near you. And that's what and, I actually want to check out. I, I didn't yeah. think to look at that ahead of time, but I'm going to just check out, see who's around me in this area. Where are you too. at? Uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. We might have a new one out there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going I'm to have to check this out. Okay. To see. Yeah. Um, we're actually updating our website and our map and everything this week. So I'll tell you to wait till Saturday to check. All right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so where can people find you at? Uh, and so here, barenakedhealthpodcast.com or uh, Evolution Health and Fitness, but it's just evo-health.com. Uh, pretty much uh, on any of the social media platforms, uh, Evolution Health and Fit, I think it is. I, I don't cool. know exactly what the handle is, but again, everything's on all of the websites there. Uh, but Lindsay, this has been, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for chatting with me. Yes, for sure. Can't wait to, uh, catch up and maybe do this again. And I, I yeah. encourage everybody to go check out the regional directors, I think, cause this is something and I can't wait to be able to look at this because this is something that we originally connected. I, I want to actually quick share that for a moment. If I'm gonna, I should have started maybe with this, I reached out to you and we've been trying to connect for, I think almost a year at this point. Um, yeah. because I had heard you on another podcast and my wife was pregnant and it, it was still just one of those things. Like I, I was so in tune just with what you were saying, saying, sharing. Uh, so I'm really excited to have been able to finally get to catch up and talk, uh, and hopefully share this and help a lot of people with this because I think it can be an amazing process, uh, and it, I should say this: it should be an amazing process yeah. uh, for everybody That's involved. So I think this is a great way to uh, help out with that too. Well, thank you, and I appreciate all that you're doing, and uh, yeah, you're definitely leading from the front. So that's pretty rad. Awesome, thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Enjoy your Tuesday. I, I will. You do the same. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye bye. Bye. Hey guys, and thank you for listening to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. If you want to support the show, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give a five-star rating, positive comment. This really helps other people find this show uh, or just share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully they can get something out of it too. But thank you very much and look forward to talking to you soon.